Welcome to episode 56 of Kneel Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, your host, and thanks for listening wherever and whenever you are. In this episode, I sit down for a chat with the ridiculously talented Aliza Pearl. Aliza is a writer, actor, singer, improviser, and truly a super nerd. You can find her improvising incredible genre shows at Impro Studio here in Los Angeles, and you can also find her on Geek and Sundry's Shield of Tomorrow. Those are just a couple of the many, many projects she's got going on. I talk with Elisa about her upbringing, her road to becoming an actor, writer, and improviser. We also chat about her complete and true love of Star Trek's Guinan, which has led her to begin work on a web series called The Listener Spectral Awakening. Oh yeah, we talk about how space calms her down. So yeah, she's kind of awesome, and I know you'll think so too. Now don't forget to check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your pop and geek culture news. I am lucky to have a talented group of contributors on the site, and I know that you would love their work. In fact... Geek Girl Authority just presented a panel at Stan Lee's LA Comic Con called Women Doing Cool Shit, Movers and Shakers in the Entertainment Industry. Eliza was on that panel, and so was Magena Tova from The Magicians, which you can hear more of from Magena in episode 54 of Neil Before Odd. Also on the panel was Edie Patterson from HBO's Vice Principals, Terry Lubroff from Legion M, The Double Click's Angela Weber, and comedian Riley Silverman. I'll have a breakdown of this awesome panel up on Geek Girl Authority, so make sure you go check that out too. Also, head on over to iTunes or Blog Talk Radio to give Neil Before Odd a rating and review if you are so inclined. I'd be ever so grateful for your support of this podcast. All right. For now, enjoy your walk, your workout, your commute your cleaning as you listen to episode 56 of Neil Before Odd with guest Aliza Pearl. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourselves to Neil Before Odd. And welcome to a new episode of Neil Before Odd. I'm your host, Audrey Kearns, and this is a show where I interview geek patriots. Today I have with me writer, actor, musician, improviser, and super nerd, Aliza Pearl. Aliza is an incredibly busy and talented woman. She works at Nerdist News as a Nerdist News writer. She's a cast member of Shield of Tomorrow on Geek and Sundry, and she co-directs and co-produces and performs in the Improvised Generation for Impro Studio, as well as X-Files, Unclassified, and Ripley Improv. And you know what? I'm not done yet. She co-created and stars in a series called The Listener Spectral Awakening, which is a Trek-inspired original sci-fi series that explores Guinan's backstory. Welcome, Aliza. You're a nerd. Yeah. You are such a geek. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> Every single thing I read off there is genre-related, and I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, thanks for coming over. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Um, so let's get started right away, um, since we've, we've outed you as a nerd, except we didn't need to out you because you've been outing yourself. It's, you, you're I'm living now, out and proud. I'm <laughs> out, yeah. I'm proud, I carry the card, exactly. wear it on my forehead. We're actually both, we did not coordinate, we're both wearing Star Trek shirts. I love it, um, yep. yeah. So, and, and they're both now Star Trek ship glasses. shirts, too. That's, oh, that's specific. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. a TOS... Um, 
the uh, the Enterprise Very TOS. Nice. And I like it because it was a big shirt and you cut out the arms mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you cut out the neck a little bit. As you do. As you do. And it looks good. Thank you. I love it. So, Elisa, I start all my podcasts asking my guests one question. And that question is, what is your nerd origin story? Well, <laughs> okay. Well, um, I know that the first thing that really captured my imagination was space. Space. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, yeah, I think everything else that I've nerded out about kind of stems out from space. So um, I remember, I forget what year it was and how old I was. I was a tiny kid. Uh-huh. But Haley's Comet came. Oh, wow. It was we. It was visible, you mm-hmm. know, from where I was in New Jersey growing up. And my dad took me and my brother out into the backyard and we looked up and we uh-huh. looked for Haley's Comet. So where you were in New Jersey, there wasn't too much light pollution? Like no, it was, oh, yeah, it was so bright lucky. enough. I think we saw it. I was, yeah. again, I was tiny. So maybe I was like, that's, that's, that's it. Right. Who, know, who and knows? And your dad was just like, yes, Lisa. <laughs> yes, honey, that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like, so that I remember that's, you know, a very vivid memory for yeah. me. And then just growing up and going to the, like, the Liberty Science Center in New Jersey and, um, and just, I was really captivated by science and astronomy. Yeah. Um, I My mom got me these, like, those glow-in-the-dark stars mm-hmm. and the ones that you stick on your ceiling. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. just put them on the ceiling like a normal kid. I found a star chart, and I charted the freaking sky on my bedroom ceiling. I love that. And I had, like, the actual coordinate. I don't know if I did, like, a accurate north-south orientation, but on my ceiling it yeah. was like there, there's Cassie Pia there's this and you know it was like oh that's so cool very a- as accurate as one could do so it started with space it started with the actual science mm-hmm. did you find yourself like daydreaming about being in space yeah. yeah I wanted to be an astronaut and yeah. a ballerina and an opera singer I get that you wanted both <laughs> sides yeah um, I um it's kind of similar uh I, I grew up in my parents uh worked for the government military and state department and when I was 10, they retired to the Cocoa Beach area where, where mm-hmm. the Space Center is. And so um, I've seen every shuttle launch from the very first time <gasps> until I what? moved to California so in cool. 2002. I saw every single one. Wow. Because, I mean, we were so close. We were so close <laughs> that um, uh, our house would shake. You know? Wow. Like, like after it was gone. Yeah. It, it would take a while, and then all of a sudden you'd start you to feel. hear uh, glasses rattle. And it would rattle for a few minutes and everything. And night launches were the best. But yeah, I understand that. Like it sparks this whole creative mm-hmm. thing where you're just like, oh, what if that was me? And yeah. I love it. I love it. Did um and, and you're an, you're a NASA junkie. I am. I am. Right. Mm-hmm. How often do you find yourself looking up? Space news. I'm going to call it space news. Space news. Space um, news. Very space often. Space news alert. <laughs> space news alert. It, very often. It's like my relaxing thing to yeah. look on the internet. You know, when I when I want to take a little brain break or yeah. whatever, I find myself reading about you know mm-hmm. cosmology and astrophysics, and I love yeah. like Star Talk. That's my favorite yes. podcast. And yes. sorry, besides your podcast, yeah, it's right. my favorite. I podcast. knew that. That's what you meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. Clearly, I knew that's what you meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's yeah, it's a, it's definitely something that I've always like come back to. Yeah, and it, it sparks yeah, it just sparks my imagination. It, uh-huh. I think it's also meditative because right. when I think about space and I think about our place in the universe. It, it's humbling. It it kind of is a reset because mm-hmm. there's only so much that we can do on in our time, our short, short little 
part of a time on this yeah. earth and in this universe as sentient, yeah. you know, moving physical beings. Like we have such limited impact, yeah. yet it it can be very uh, immense and long lasting. Right. So it it's something that helps me. It kind of helps center me. It helps ground me. Um, it that's good because I can see where some people like um would get overwhelmed. It is overwhelming, and, 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 yeah. And panic when yeah. you when you when you really start to think about the immensity mm-hmm. of our universe, yeah, and how tiny we are. It I, is, I, I, yeah. I can see where that would be overwhelming. My roommate it was doing some research this morning on like horror and for a mm-hmm. show that she's working on, and in one of the videos she listened to was saying that it's interesting that linguistically we have terrific and terrible, we have awesome and awful. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it with yeah. space. When you think yeah. some people, when I talk to them about space mm-hmm. and their eyes either glaze over or they get just ex- excited <laughs> with me, usually the ones whose eyes glaze over, they're like, that's terrifying. It's, it's too much. It's, you're, stress, you're stressing me yeah. out right now. Yeah. They get, yeah. Wor- yeah, it's like, it's, it is kind of scary. It's mm-hmm. existentially terrifying to think yeah. how tiny we are, that we might be alone, that we might just be a weird beautiful mm-hmm. mistake slash miracle yeah yeah <laughs> but for me it's like it just is like well yeah there's a lot of crazy crap going on in my life or in the world or i'm worried about friends or family but when i think about the beautiful nebulas and the gaseous mm-hmm. clouds i'm like well they're still going they're still out there i'm here and i can only control certain things yeah. and i'm so i'm gonna do my best to live a certain way and have a positive impact. I like that, Elisa. I like that very much. <laughs> the podcast is over. We had, <laughs> we had some inspiration. There so you, uh, you you just said you grew up in, 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 in mm-hmm. New Jersey. Where in New Jersey? Newark, New Jersey. Now, um, so in our intro, I said that you're a writer, you're an actor, you're a musician, and you're an improviser. Um what was your creative upbringing? What 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 came first? Music, writing, acting, improv? Um, or all would, at the same time? Oh, goodness. I definitely, music was an early one. Yeah. Um, acting came... So, yeah, music was the first one, I would say. Um, I sang in the choir. I mm-hmm. grew up Catholic, was raised Catholic. Me too. Yeah. Did you go to Catholic school? I did. Who girl did I? We yeah. Could, we should do a separate <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what would it be? Like, recovering Catholic like, nerd women? Girls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know See how funny. we can one up each other with yeah, our exactly. stories. <laughs> exactly. But you know what's funny? Like, I think there is a link for me with um because I was like I was pretty faithfully Catholic mm-hmm. as a kid. Right. And then when I hit 13, I started doubting stuff and questioning stuff. And the answers I were getting were just not sufficient. So I was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, I but, think that's very common. Yeah. I actually understand that. Yeah. But the thing is, like, even now, I have fond memories of being in church and in our Catholic church and the beautiful stained glass mm-hmm. windows. And I love the ceremony and the mystical side of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's... I love I the still, ritual of it. You know, yeah. You were talking about meditating earlier and I, you know... I think what maybe some people don't understand about, or I don't know, about Working. Catholic Mass is because, um, you know, my husband came to Mass one time. I forget if it was for a, a wedding or something like that. And um, even if you haven't stepped inside a church in a long time and they start doing the prayers, it's in your head and you start yeah. saying the words of these yeah. long prayers. And I always found, I found that meditative. Yeah. That ritual of it is like, you know, it's going to be the same Mm-hmm. Every week you're going to say these words and everybody's going to say the words with you. And that kind of, I don't mm-hmm. know, droning sound was always very 
meditative. Absolutely. Even if I didn't know what I was saying. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, I think as a kid, those are the things that I liked, like that physical drone, yeah, Yeah. the hum of people's voices, even though they were bad singers. It was like kind of a comforting hum of bad singing and all saying, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very comforting. But then it's funny because that stuff I still have the fond memories of. I think, um, also, I recognize the the way that I like to when I dig into like for Nerdist News, I have mm-hmm. to do a lot of studying on comic books and mm-hmm. and move the movies that are made from the kind of the original comic book. We do a lot mm-hmm. of referencing back and forth between the movie and where where the sources were. Right. Um, so I've like really upped my comic book knowledge. By the way, oh my god, I was Congrats. such a like I didn't realize. <laughs> thank you. Like I I was never like the most well versed comic book yeah. person, and I have very limited comic book reading under my belt. Me too. But but I'm so grateful for Nerdist for hiring yeah. me to do this job where I basically have to like learn yeah. comic books. Like it's awesome. And it's so. your job. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's such a wonderful gift. But um, but anyway, I I recognize these hero stories and these origin stories look at our the bible and like you know jesus is a superhero <laughs> like Absolutely. I, and the saints and and like all these amazing cool stories of of like mystical miracle things i think that's so dope and yeah. as i studied literature i and i'm a storyteller and i love storytelling and and imagery and i still fully respect and and find i'm so interested in religion for that reason right um and so I think, yeah, I think that's a cool thing about religion. Even though I'm not religious anymore, I have a lot of respect for yeah. for, And I see why people yeah. get, you know, so uh, enraptured with it. Of course, of <laughs> or course. Or raptured, you know. So, so the first for the first songs you used to sing, they were songs for, for, for yep. church and yeah. everything. Um, were there any other influences music-wise? Yeah, my dad uh, listens to, like, growing up, he listened to a lot of really good music, like mm. soul from the 50s, 60s, 70s. So I definitely got a healthy uh, diet of like wonderful, like even like, I remember my favorite times were like, because I played ice hockey. I'm a very random person, by the way. Uh, (laughs) That's fantastic. um, But like, I love, uh, I love like, when we would have hockey games in Long Island, my brothers would have hockey games uh-huh. in Long Island, and we, it would be like really early in the morning, so we'd have to leave at like five a.m. Oh wow! So we, I would be in the back seat, and we would be driving to Long Island from New Jersey, and my dad would put on the platters or the coasters, like all yeah. those like fifties like soul doo wop groups that were named after household items. <laughs> <laughs> The toasters. <laughs> the toasters, the coasters, <laughs> the Britas. Just kidding. <laughs> well, the toasters is an all Cylon. Uh-huh. I couldn't uh-huh. help it. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Wait, Audrey. Wait. <laughs> we have to, that's a sketch. Yes, it's a sketch. <laughs> they, yeah, they said that'd be so good. And they, they have awesome dance moves while oh my they're God. singing and everything. Get to work oh on that. God, the toasters. A Get Cylon doo-wop group. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. I love it. So, um, so that that's the musical part. What about mm-hmm. um, acting? Did you act in school? I did. I did. Um, we had like pageant plays, or you know, like the Christmas, like Mary, and the, you know that yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the stable. Yeah. The blah, blah, the angels. The pageant. All that stuff. The whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. So yeah. I definitely did that. Um, I remember I played the angel once in like eighth grade. I played the angel. Played the angel once, and I played Mary. I got yeah. Oh, was that? Or did I always play? No, I didn't get to do Mary. Oh, I was I able do? to do the angel that came down and told Mary that 
pregnant yeah <laughs> hey girl which, you pranks <laughs> which is probably quite that's not how we didn't play it as if it was a shock to her but i'm sure it was a shock to I her mean, that is the thing we need to see we need to see a pageant play where mary is like oh what what the hell? <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> i want to see the realism of that yes, scene yes yeah we want to we want to work that out okay so yeah we're going to work on cylon toasters do up cylon toasters and do-op. realistic mary finding out she's yep. pregnant yep. okay we we we, we she takes her ept down. test out like wait hold oh, on wait, oh what wait. if the ept test is the brand is called angel like <laughs> it's an angel ept test yeah I like it. So it's a A E P T A E P T A. We'll work on that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll work on that. I okay. like this. I like this very much. <laughs> so wait a minute. So you eventually got into a creative field. What were you thinking you were going to do in school? Were you mm-hmm. did you were you did you have the creative juices flowing, or were you going more towards science or athletics? So when I let's see, in high school. I was pretty open. I didn't going into high school. I knew that I wanted to do more theater. Yeah. I wanted to be in plays and stuff. But in terms of studying and in term, terms of long term, I'm not sure that early on I really knew what I wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. Uh, music. I was a, I was a songwriter from a very early age. I think I wrote my first like actual song at like six. Okay. And it was about Martin Martin Luther King. Uh-huh. And oh, I don't remember now. I used to be able to sing it. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I wrote this song. Like so, and I had written like three hundred songs by the time I was sixteen. That's it was it was insane. Like, yeah. and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize so you had a massive love for singing. Yes, yeah. and writing, and and, and again, I think that was the early parts of me being a a, pay, a writer on the page and screenwriter right. of storytelling through song, and uh, yeah. So, so there was, yeah, the music was always there. So I kind of was like, oh, maybe I want, I think maybe I want to be in the music industry. I had a couple of like singing groups with my friends, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we didn't really take it anywhere. We didn't yeah. like go out and do shows or anything. Um, but when I got to high school, I started, you know, taking all the prerequisites and stuff. And I did well in math. Mm-hmm. I did really well in math. Uh, and then I had a couple of not great science teachers mm-hmm. And it really turned me off yeah. to actually pursuing and studying science. Right. Which sucks. And the yeah. science teachers, like one of them, it was like sophomore and junior year physics and chemistry mm-hmm. or chemistry and physics in that order. And that teacher, I think he he was just checked out. Like yeah. he just had lost his passion. He wasn't there to inspire people anymore. Yeah. He yeah. was he was like kind of grumpy and he didn't, it, it was all just about checking the boxes of, okay, yep. they did that experiment. And he didn't like give us any real context or any of the like wonderful awe that science can inspire. So, um, and then biology class, I, I had, there was this, um, teacher, um, probably, I don't remember how old she was, but she was an older lady and she had been at that school for, I went to a very small Catholic all girls school Mm -hmm. and, um, it was very white, very upper middle class, rich mm-hmm. girls, uh, and then a few of us tokens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't call yourself that. <laughs> well, but it's true. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, Audrey, I can show you the years that I was in high school, and even after that, and in college, all the brochures and website pages that Your had my picture several times. To like, say, yeah, see, we have other people than white people here. Yeah, is what I was they a token. You to know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, but wait, I, what was I? <laughs> um, you were saying you can remember in high school 
where I was a token. Yeah. We did get lost on that. <laughs> we got lost. Um, music? Uh, or music, oh, science. Science. A biology teacher. Biology teacher. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, God. So ninth grade biology teacher um, said something really inaccurate and really racist in class. And I was the only black girl in that in my ninth grade biology class. It was like a, a small school, class of 12 in that oh. biology class. Um, I heard her say it. And then the person, there was luckily an, an upperclassman in the back doing lab work. Uh-huh. So she heard her say it. And she was a, a black girl, too. Uh-huh. So she heard her say it. The whole class heard her say it. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, no. And so I, I talked with the upperclassman. And I was like, did you hear? Was that? That didn't sound right. And she's like, yeah, no, that, that's not right. That's not in the book. I don't think that's real. Um, basically, she said that black skin is a mutation, which is not real that's not like were they working for dub soap <laughs> oh god probably <laughs> oh god yeah oh god <laughs> so so yeah that's what she said i went to the school administration and they they well, like you went did you talk to your parents first or you're like i'm gonna go right now i don't remember okay i'm sure i talked to my parents too yeah. but i think i just i just asked because i you know i i can i i can't speak for you but i'm wondering if that you were nervous to bring it Oh, Oh, definitely. Definitely was nervous to bring it up. Uh Um, No one else in our class thought it was – I don't know how to describe it. Like, there was no sense of urgency from the other students. Mm -hmm. But thank God that upperclassman was in the back in the lab because she also was like, ah, this is not – that's not cool. Like, that's not correct. And also, it's offensive. It's It's – incorrect scientifically and it's also really fucking racist yeah, <laughs> like yeah so so she encouraged me to go to the administration i told uh the school you know the administration they took it seriously which is great that's nice but they go back to that biology teacher and she totally denied saying those words she didn't she was like i did not say that i didn't say that's not right i wouldn't have said that she straight up and down left and right denied it so and they felt they had no choice but to believe the teacher yeah so they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's that's a terrible. Story. So we had, yeah, two students yeah. who heard it and spoke up. Mm-hmm. The other students didn't say anything, didn't speak up. Mm-hmm. But because the teacher said, I didn't say that, they were like, Whoops, sorry. Sorry. Nothing got... we can do. So yeah. Was that um if I can ask you a personal question, had had um, you know, going to a predominantly white Catholic school, had mm-hmm. you been experiencing things like that? Up until that point already? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were a lot of um, microaggressions, both on the social level, like interpersonal between the students and mm-hmm. also with some of the, yeah, some of the teachers and admin. And mm-hmm. I, I remember like ninth grade when I first started there, because it, it's a school, it's like a full, there's a lower school and then the upper school is like seventh through 12th. And that's the um, the all girls. Right. Um there was, yeah, just people would like make comment like, why do all the black girls sit together? Now that sounds like a trope. Like that mm-hmm. sounds like a thing that doesn't, like, no one says that. People said that. People mm-hmm. said that and they mm-hmm. believed it. And mm-hmm. they really were like, why do they segregate themselves? And oh, Lord. Um, so, there, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Um, were you able, is that stuff that you um, kind of stuffed down? Obviously you didn't because you went to the administration that one time. Or was this stuff that you tried to... Um, Talk to your parents about. Honestly, I don't. It's not that my parents weren't in. They weren't involved, I think, with the talking to the school stuff. Yeah. So if I talked to them, it was probably just to like vent and they were, you know, 
they were like, oh, that's terrible. Like, yeah. I don't I don't remember my parents ever stepping in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also. Did your also, brothers say anything? Did you tell your brothers about it? Or? I don't remember. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just curious. I know for sure the support system in the school within the, the women of color uh-huh. at the school. Um, we had our students, small student body that was uh, women of color. And then we had like a couple of teachers, maybe right. one, maybe two. Um, so yeah, that was really the support system for all of the weird stuff happening at school. And you know what? That's a good question too. Cause my, about the siblings, cause mm-hmm. my brother also went to, both of my brothers at some point went to high schools that were predominantly white as well. Mm-hmm. And I know as an adult, I think my brother and I did talk about that more back then. It was, it's hard. Cause like, how do I say this? Like when you're young and impressionable and you're growing you're going to adapt like your instinct is to adapt and to mm-hmm. fit in mm-hmm. and to uh, for everything to be okay and to mm-hmm. get you know either good grades or be popular or all mm-hmm. of the above like mm-hmm. there there are survival things that you see first mm-hmm. the racial stuff it only becomes like urgent when you realize this is not normal this right. is like what oh my god this is crazy like that's when you're like moved to to right. act as, as especially like for me as a young person right so so yes, like we we heard and saw things, you know, that were weird and mm-hmm. people saying things and having like assumptions about us. But you pick your battles. Yeah. Sad to say, like, and you you don't you want to be liked. So if you're always complaining about stuff, yeah. then you're not, you know. Well, it's interesting what you said that that you don't sometimes you don't really realize it till you find out that hey, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. You or know? you talk, yeah, when you talk to yeah. other people, yeah, you're like, oh, that was weird for you too, huh? huh. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Thought it was just me. Oh, it's 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 interesting also that it's sad. That that biology teacher kind of ruined uh, science for you and kind of was a racist. What, <laughs> yeah, racist. and what's and, in, and, yeah, like I still had a love of science, but it was much more like mm-hmm. just me being interested in it as, as a, a fan. Yeah, as a fan, yeah, like you're I, a fan of science. Yeah, but I was like, I yeah, that biology class, and then the the next teacher mm-hmm. who just was so checked out. I was like, yeah. Uh, I like this. Like my yeah. English, my music teacher was awesome and yeah. so full of life and love of of art and mm-hmm. so supportive and brought you know brought me to another level of my my uh, musical skill as a singer in high school. Like nice. So my music teacher was my champion. Did you pursue music in college? Uh, I I sang in an acapella group. Uh-huh. Um, and then what else did I? I did. Oh, I worked in the music library. Funny enough. Huh. I don't even know if I took an actual music class. What were you? What What was your intention when you were going to college? What degree? Oh, I was going to do music. <laughs> oh, you were going to do music. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, w- I went to college freshman. I applied. I remember on my application, I put music major. That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. Because mm-hmm. I, I was still writing songs. I was, I was like, um, I don't know. I don't think I had played, started playing guitar until college. But I played piano. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I was going to do music for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe the music business producing side. But then I got to college and I was like, well, there's all these other classes and departments. Let me try some other things before I do music. And then I just got like, I just totally fell in love with literature and, and um, you know, doing theater and things like that. So so after college, what was, you're so close, you were in New Jersey still, right? Yeah, I went to college in New Jersey. I went to Princeton. You went to Princeton. Mm-hmm. So when you're out of Princeton, you go to New York then. You don't yep. go to Cal. 
California. I went straight to New York. Yeah. Literally the graduation day, yeah. me and my three roommates, we had found an apartment in Harlem. Uh-huh. And my dad loaded, loaded all our stuff nice. up into the van on graduation day and oh drove God. us up to New York what City. What a good dad. I know. Yeah. That's fantastic. So um, I assume that you had to get a lot of jobs while you tried to pursue. Mm-hmm. Were you doing, were you trying to be a singer full-time or were you trying to get gigs in musical theater or in straight plays what were you doing yeah it was more so the acting Acting. when I yeah when I moved to New York I I was auditioning for for shows for plays Mm -hmm. and musical theater I booked I was in New York for about a year and a half or two years Mm -hmm. right out of college and in that time I did mostly theater and musical theater and I did a couple of touring plays musical theater plays um so that's kind of like what I was getting more into mm-hmm. but i i felt like i i did a film in new york and it was my first time doing like a full it was a feature film i uh-huh. had um a str- pretty strong like supporting role in it and i don't know i was like i think i like on screen better for me musical theater was i both was not ambitious enough and also not diligent enough uh-huh. to find my place in musical theater right i felt like just that little slice of time i was in new york my repertoire did not quite match what what was being cast right and the roles that like for like a you know 22 year old black woman Mm -hmm. didn't match me like vocally Mm -hmm. or like i'm not you know it was always like big gospel singer singer belt high b like all that stuff right i don't sing like that like right. i you know I'm, I'm more of like uh i have a lower register uh-huh. my 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 voice and even when i write songs and play it's more like blues inspired like right. but like more earthy stuff i can i can totally like belt out an 80s pop ballad because <laughs> it's just straight tone it's easy mm-hmm. but i'm not someone who can riff in those high registers at all mm-hmm. and i know that about my voice and i'm, I'm happy with that it's fine but that's what the casting was at that time. And I, I felt see. like frustrated with that. So is that one of the reasons you decided Los Angeles? Once, yeah. you, once you said, Hey, I think I'd like to be on screen. You're yeah. Like, well, I guess I gotta go to LA. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why did you come to LA? I came to LA. I've been here like eleven years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. What was your first thing that you booked in Los Angeles? <laughs> You're gonna love this. I booked a musical in New York. <laughs> That's fantastic. I went right back to New York. It was a staged musical that was, we actually, it was casting uh, here and we rehearsed it here. The whole cast was here, but Uh we went to do like a showcase staged reading Mm -hmm. in New York City. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, And then the second thing I booked was another feature film called Something is Killing Tate Uh by a director named Leon Lozano. And a producer named Jessica Funches, both African-American, mm-hmm. amazingly talented filmmakers. Um, and that was awesome because, and it, oh, it starred Jocko Sims, who's on, um, totally name dropping right now. He's on <laughs> The Last Ship. Who does he play in The Last Ship? I don't know. I haven't watched it. Sorry. I'm trying to think. Of, what's his name? Jocko Sims. Okay. All right. It's a, it's a terrible show. But really? Every no, I say that. <laughs> But I've seen every single episode. <laughs> oh my it's, god! My husband and I look forward to watching it. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about Ooh. the last ship. We have to watch it every. May week. I? May I? Since we have some similarities with yeah. the, like the religion thing, uh, 
I watch bad genre shows all the time. Sometimes, if the concept really captures my imagination, yeah. I'll watch it. Oh, me too. So maybe that's it. Like the that, concept is cool. Absolutely, I know the concept of the show. The concept is cool. Mm-hmm. I think the third season they just um, they just <laughs> or the fourth is it fourth season where it's just like okay, we're running out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and the Navy is like a big. Um, sponsor of the show or like oh really a lot of money. I didn't know that. so there's a lot of like military stuff in it which is actually some of my favorite stuff it's like the, cool. the, the shots of the boats and stuff oh and, that's cool. and, and there's always some kind of battle scene where it's very technical talk very technical talk about how to bring a ship around and all this kind of stuff and i love mm-hmm. i love that but that's a very good point because i do watch a lot of genre shows more than the average bear just because yeah. i like them i just like to get lost in them one of these days i've tried to do this in the past but i don't have cable Uh one of these days i need to get sci-fi somehow the channel and Uh i just want to watch a little bit of everything yeah Um, because i yeah man like there are some i won't name them now because there's a lot but there's some sci-fi shows that just aren't good but the concept is really good Mm -hmm. and it's just it's i think it's just it's execution and it's it's hard to pull off genre and sci-fi. Yeah. And as we know from watching so much of it and also being, you mm-hmm. know, participating in creating it, like, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to do. It's so. hard. And, and, and when fi- finally everything became more accessible, you know, with streaming and stuff and Hulu, and then um, there's more people that want to watch genre shows, it's now there's a lot of competition. So I right. think it's hard for... Some to survive because, you know, like mm-hmm. back when BSG was on, you really only got one mm-hmm. or two. So you're going to stick with it. You're going to stick, you know, <laughs> thankfully BSG was fantastic, yeah. you know. But now you there's probably 20 yeah. genre shows at any given time of the year. Yeah. And that's a and good everything. point, too, because yeah. like TNG, like everyone, yeah, it's widely no- accepted mm-hmm. that this first season was its weakest season. Yeah. But yeah. people stuck with it because they're like, And nowadays Ooh. they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't stick with it. Yep. You know, yeah. Speaking of Star Trek, speaking of Star Trek, that'll bring us to our next part of this interview. Um, what came because I've never heard you mention the latter. Did anything come first for you, Star Trek or Star Wars? The latter, what did you like, say? I, I oh, meant, uh, the latter, like oh, Star, Wars. Star Wars. What came first, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek, Star Trek. In were, fact, I were you ever into Star Wars? Um, no, not really. Yeah. I, I know my brothers were into it because mm-hmm. I, I remember my brother had like a Star Wars tent and bed sheets and you know uh-huh. like so I know my brothers definitely I saw it. I had Star it. Wars bed sheets. Yeah. And yeah. Snoopy. Nice. Oh yeah. I and think Snow my White. sister had those, Snoopy. I had those three. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah my brothers were my brothers saw it and were into it. I just yeah. didn't see it as a kid. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember why. Like and then even when I saw it like in college I maybe watched some of it. I don't think I saw it. <laughs> I don't think I watched like the full trilogy until adult like recent adulthood right, like right. within the last four years mm-hmm. which is embarrassing to say no but it's well it's embarrassing because of all the stuff i do all the nerd stuff well now. that's why i love that you said that and you also said the thing about the comic stuff because you know yeah. i'm the editor of geek girl authority and mm-hmm. and i'm i will never try to convince anybody that i know all things nerd i'm nerdy about certain things yes you know yes. star trek is one of them genre tv shows i'm a crazy science fiction book nerd mm-hmm. but um when it comes to like comics, I only know so much. And thankfully I have uh, Matt Key who does all my comic stuff on Geek Girl Authority. Mm-hmm. And then I have some other people who like, I'm not a gamer either. Yeah. Like I yeah, you would never want, want to play games with me. Like, uh, but I have um, women on my site who are just avid 
crazy gamers. Mm-hmm. They love it so much and they're writing about it. So yeah. So it's okay. You don't have to like everything. Exactly. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing too. Like it's what's cool for me about my Star Wars story mm-hmm. is that now coming to it as an adult and diving into it, I really like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really into it. Yeah. Like what's well, nice uh, that you get to see um you get to see the full story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to see the full story, which I think think is really neat. What yeah. was your first experience? Because you were brought into the Star Trek fold with Next Gen, right? Yes. So what was your first experience um, mm-hmm. watching that? Oh, that's... Did you start... Like, I found it in a different season. I didn't find it in season one. Oh, I'm pretty sure I didn't either. Yeah. yeah. And then I went back. Yeah. And watched the whole thing. I can't remember the first time I saw TNG. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might be that when I was a little kid, because I was about 10 mm-hmm. when TNG premiered. So when I was a, a younger kid than 10, I definitely saw original series like right. in, in reruns. Yeah. I, rem- I feel like I remember seeing... They were always on like late at night. Yeah. And... Like I, I do yeah. feel like that was in my consciousness. Yeah. By the time I saw Next Gen, I mean, I knew who... Um... Spock was, and I knew who Kirk was, and I knew who Sky. I knew everybody from TOS, mm-hmm. you know? So you kind of knew the lore a little mm-hmm. bit by the time you did get around to watching Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, when once TNG was on the air, I don't remember specifically, like, because yeah. I have friends who, like, watched it every week with their families, mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember it that way, but I do remember watching it with certain, like, definitely my dad watched it. I remember my aunt... And uncle in Florida, when we would spend the summers with uh-huh. them, we would watch that with them. We'd yeah. watch TNG specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so I have to back up a little because my Star Trek origin story is is like a little uh, windy uh-huh. um, because I have just a general memory of watching various Star Trek as a kid, mostly TNG. Mm-hmm. And some, my, my dad, I think, was super into Voyager, so I watched some of that. I don't really... I remember less of DS9 than any other series. We didn't watch. Me too. I was yeah. a big Voyager fan. I liked DS9, but I actually had to rewatch it a couple of years ago yeah. because I remember kind of not being as into it as I was with Voyager and TNG. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I think what, for me, this is my story with Deep Space Nine is, and I hate to say that war makes a difference, but I got mm. more into it when the Dominion had, when they got the Defiant and were able to leave uh-huh. the station and go places. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, when the Dominion War started, it became like really fascinating to me. And yeah, that it seems mm-hmm. like that's what a lot of people agree yeah. is when the show really took off yeah. too. Yeah. Like narratively, it, it they had some, literally had somewhere to go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you're a big um, Guinan fan. Yeah. You've done Guinan cosplay yeah. and everything. So, where did that start? Did it start like the first time you saw Guinan, or did it did it was like a cumulative effect? Cumulative, but definitely about five years ago, I started doing this like chronological rewatch of all of Star Trek. Watch slash rewatch because I had seen some and not seen of every others. single series, e- everything, yeah. yeah, and in star date chronological order. So, although I I I broke the rule because I I. I wanted to start with TOS. <laughs> so I started with oh, TOS. Oh, because Enterprise, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I started with TOS and then went back and watched all of Enterprise. And then, you know, TNG. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to TNG, which was about three and a half years ago, I was like so soaked in TNG that I started, I got, you know, inspired by for, by TNG to write the, you know, Guinan's mm-hmm. backstory. Mm-hmm. 
uh, met my collaborator on that on set for well, something. Well, let's talk about that um, here. Let's mm-hmm. say what that is. Okay. So you are working on a project called The Listener Spectral Awakening, which is about Guinan, but it's um, uh, um, it, it, it follows a young woman who is not yet Guinan. Yes, correct. Exactly. You know, because Guinan—that's not only been—that's not her only name. Exactly. So this is a very young woman, and is she still Elorian? Yes. Okay. So go ahead and tell me about that. Sure. Okay. So the listener spectral awakening takes place on her homeworld, mm-hmm. and it is basically her origin story. So it is this alien woman mm-hmm. who we see her like where she is uh politically in her world like her place on her planet and and how she is uh mm-hmm. enmeshed in the workings of her world and then we kind of see why she left um what was that uh spark that that uh drove her to leave her home planet and start her adventures and become Guinan eventually um there's some like really fun strong like superhero beginnings we tap into the idea that Guinan has some type of power mm-hmm. because if you remember, as you remember, I'm sure when she meets Q in TNG, she does that hands up hand claws thing. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah. And it's never explained in Star Trek, in like canon Star Trek. But I was like, what is that? Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, what is it? Who is she? But like, it totally just made me super excited to explore yeah. what her well, power is. And that one is. episode that, I, that reminds me of, and I, I am a Star Trek fan that can't remember episode names, but I can tell uh-huh. you every yeah. single day. I think the only episode name I ever remember is The Inner Light, just because that's yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows The Inner Light. Okay. But this is um, the, the the one where it's different Enterprise and Tasha's back. Um, actually, there's uh, – no. The, the one I'm talking about no, was no, she – Yeah, oh, yes. But no, sorry, I'm, saying, okay, okay. I'm just saying that it reminded me of what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Where – it was Guinan then yes. that was yes. able to figure this isn't right. Uh-huh. And she tells Captain Picard, I just need you to believe me right. that this isn't right. Just like in a different episode where she meets Q and she puts her hands right. out there. Exactly. There's something about her where she's... She, she has a sense. She, she has, has some sense. type of other sense yeah. that... And and they, actually, they do explore that a little bit with other Lorians in the various series. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was cool that... I think it was in DS9. It was in DS9. And Lorian comes and he's basically a con man because he's uh-huh. such a good listener. Right. So it's the same skill that Guinan has, the same uh, innate Elorian sensitivity mm-hmm. and ability to like listen, whatever right. that is. He uses it differently. And yeah. I thought I thought that was a really cool use of the Elorian you right. know, skill. Right. I love that you're making that a type of um, power that, yeah. that, that, that she can... Use and so when you're you were doing that whole rewatch, that's basically where you're just like mm-hmm. I, I you, yeah. you fell in love with Guy and I have to write something mm-hmm. about her. Yes, so I started working on the series with mm-hmm. my collaborator Shelton Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and rewatched a lot of TNG, so I spent like a another couple of years within my rewatch just watching TNG because I just was like I loved it. I just like yeah. really dove into it. Mm-hmm. Then we started doing the Improvised Generation. We created that show. Um, so yeah, I just TNG has been it just like cracked open my creativity in a different way than I anything else. I love that. Else. That's so neat. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that specifically. I mean, about Star Trek being the thing that awakened their creativity. That's yeah. really, really, really cool. Well, I think I've spent a lot of time in LA and as an actor pursuing mm-hmm. a career, and this goes to my identity too, mm-hmm. like cultural identity, my upbringing, where. I've spent so much of my life being uh, told who I am and 
being shown who I am through other people's eyes. This is your casting type. This is what you should do. Take these pictures. Right. You should have this. Um, you should be sent in for that role because you're this race, this color, this look. Like it's always about what people perceive me to be. Mm-hmm. And about five years ago, when I started getting into improv and Star Trek, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm done with that. I, I'm just tired of it. It's. I felt like who I really was was like squished down deep underneath everything else that was layered on. And also I didn't feel like I was, I've made like some steady success in my acting career, but I feel like I wasn't really getting anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't growing yeah. as as an. Did you find uh, yourself that you were trying to follow all these thing rules that these people told you? Okay, I believe you. So that is my type. So I have to do that, and I have to cater to all these things. And so mm-hmm. that's what was kind of squishing you down. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I I just got fed up with yeah. it once I once I started doing improv and started like tapping into the Star Trek community too, and and it it was something that I didn't know was available to me. Right. Um. And it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to describe what that feeling is. It's like. I, you know, we we all have grown up seeing like '80s and '90s nerds represented in movies, and they're always white dudes. I never, because even though I loved a lot of the same things like mm-hmm. Star Trek and space, mm-hmm. I never saw myself reflected as that right on screen. I right. never saw black nerd girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just didn't. I was like, oh, I'm just weird. I like science and and space and sci-fi. And that's just my own personal thing. I never, like, shared it with other people. Right. And then once I started doing improv, I found that community. And I was like, this is a group of people who are united by their shared interests. Oh, wait a minute. minute. I have other interests. Maybe there's a community with that. And that's how it happened for me. Well, let's talk. I want to talk about improvised generation. But one Mm -hmm. more thing about Spectral the listener Spectral Awakening. So you, I know you've been working on this script for for a while now. Yeah. And I believe I saw you post that in August you worked on a trailer for a fundraising campaign. Is that correct? Yeah. We, so mm-hmm. uh, do you know when you're going to launch that? We are. Uh, we're not sure. We don't have a date okay. for when we'll launch the trailer. Uh-huh. Um, but that's being worked on by VFX artists. And so nice. it's in the post-production phase. We're just, yeah, we're that's just. That's exciting. Yeah, we're Elisa. getting our ducks in a row yeah. to to start our fundraising and and also to show it, you know, to show it around yeah. to to our like trusted friends and associates mm-hmm. and get some feedback and see like, do you mm-hmm. see this as a series? Do you see this as a film? Like, you know, that kind of, uh, right. that kind of feedback. Did you? Um, and I don't. This may not be a real quick answer. Um, are you coming up against uh, CBS fan li- uh, the fan film guidelines? Is that ha- driving the project about what you can talk about? And um, yes and no. I mean, so when the fan guidelines came out. We, like a month, literally a month before they released those new fan guidelines, we had decided, we from the beginning were worried about that. We didn't want to be sued. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we also, once when we announced the project, it was called Gain in the Series, hashtag Gain in the Series, at Gain, everything, Gain in the Series, the series. <laughs> like yeah. no yeah. mistaking yeah. it. We never got pinged by CBS. We still haven't. But we we didn't want to like push the button and we didn't want to... Yeah, we didn't want to make ourselves a target. Mm-hmm. So knowing what was going on with the, you know, XNR lawsuit and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. we kind of saw the writing on the wall and we were like, let's just go to our plan B. We already had discussed it months before. Mm-hmm. We were like, if we if and when the time comes, we can change the name of the series. What we realized is like we don't have any Star Trek emblems. We don't have any um, costumes. We don't have Klingons. We don't have like Starfleet Federation anything because mm-hmm. this is before it. Mm-hmm. Way before it. So 
we could do a light scrub of some just minor things to take out the Star Trek specific IP. And the right. rest of it was an original sci-fi series. I love it. So we were already in a place where we could easily just lift those elements out mm-hmm. and say we're inspired by Trek. We love Trek. We adore Trek. But this is its own special original series. I love it. Yeah. And if CBS wants to uh, get in on it, we can add add that stuff back. Exactly. Yeah. You hear that, CBS? I'm excited. I'm excited to see the trailer when you guys kick off the campaign. Um, So let's go on your improv journey. So (laughs) when and why did you take your first improv class in Los Angeles? I uh, spent, like I said, I I think improv broke me out of this feeling of Feeling kind of helpless in my career and feeling like I was following what I was supposed to. And yeah. this is how you go to auditions. This is how you cast. This is how you take headshots. Like all that stuff is really freaking drudgery. Mm-hmm. And if you're not finding how your voice shines through it, then you're just languishing. And I felt like I was languishing for a while. Right. So um, I've always been a writer, but I didn't realize it until re- fairly recently when I started getting paid to do it weirdly (laughs) but i've always been writing my whole life i've been a writer um and my good friend of mine were on a hike me and her were on a hike and it was like i think it was december it was la so we had lovely hiking weather in in december and we were just talking about like our new year's resolutions and you know i said i i want to make sci-fi Yes, this relates to improv, and I'll tell you how in a second. Oh, I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I told her, I was like, I'm tired of waiting. I don't know. Like, I look back at all my, like, notes of treatments and story ideas over the past decade. It's all, like, 99% of it is sci-fi and fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where my heart is. That's where my imagination is. I've been shying away from it because I'm always like, oh, I don't have the money to produce it. I don't have the connections. No one's going to give me a big budget to do a big sci-fi thing. But I was like, I, I I don't know what else to do. I can't not do it anymore. I really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah. So so that came up as a New Year's resolution. Like, okay, I'm going to start writing some sci-fi. I'm going to produce, I'm going to like get myself into that. Another thing that I had not been pulling the trigger on was just taking improv classes in LA, like steadily. Right. I had taken them here and there. Um, I had a lot of fun got a lot of like great notes and feedback mm-hmm. to help me get better but I never like plugged into the community mm-hmm. so I and so and UCB specifically was something that I had other friends who were writers and performers right. who had gone through their program and loved it mm-hmm. um, some who didn't love it but it was okay because they were like yeah you know what I found this other thing it showed me what I w- mm-hmm. wanted or didn't want you know so I, I thought um, I had spent so much time being like but do I do UCB or groundlings or second? Yeah. like I couldn't decide yeah. Yeah. for so long so finally, I just pulled the trigger and I was like, I'm signing up for an improv class. And I did. So, and that was 2012 or 13, mm-hmm. December. And so within a year, I had taken the full, because, so the first class I took, my mom paid for half of it as a birthday present. Mm-hmm. And then I applied for the UCB dis, uh, diversity program scholarship. Mm-hmm. I got that three times in a row. So I was able to oh, take wow. 101 That's through, fantastic. yeah, 101 through 401 I took. Within a year. By the end of that next year, I had done the core program at UCB. Mm-hmm. And I had then also been writing my sci-fi content and kind of like expanded out some ideas. Got those. I started like deciding, you know, I wanted to make a company. I wanted to like start producing this stuff. And not only for my own writing, but my goal is like 
with my company, Starshade Media, mm-hmm. the listener is like one of the first projects. And as I can create my own, um, uh, yeah, just like build my experience and my reputation mm-hmm. as a sci-fi producer, I want to also bring in other writers and producers right. and creators who are uh, women, minorities, uh, disabled, LGBT, veterans. I want to bring in people who are underrepresented in sci-fi. And this sci-fi. is your, your, pretty much your mission for Starshade Media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the listener would be the first, mm-hmm. their, their, your first project. Yeah, first shade. or second. I have yeah. another one that I haven't really, I haven't posted or told yeah. anyone about. Uh, mm-hmm. I have another one that I might shoot sooner mm-hmm. just because it has less VFX. The mm-hmm. listener is like a bigger VFX project. So mm-hmm. I have another sci-fi comedy that I might shoot sooner. Oh, so that's fantastic. And then, yeah. Well, that's, uh, congratulations on starting Starshade Media. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, how So... Let's talk about the improvised generation. So okay. this is a show that you're a part of at Impro Studio, and mm-hmm. each show creates an original and improvised 45-minute show in the style of Star Trek The Next Generation, specifically Next Generation. Yep. Um, so take me through that. Well, um, so a couple of years, a few years ago now, um, a few of us at Impro were in class together. So you were, you were done taking classes at UCB and you decided to to, oh, to keep studying at like Impro? Is it that... kind of overlapped okay. for for a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I was in UCB class. I saw an Impro theater, their main company. I saw mm-hmm. them perform Twilight Zone and Sc- oh, Unscripted yeah. and that blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. It's like, yeah. it's like nerdy grad school for improvisers like it, yeah. it just blew my mind in pro theaters really wonderful yeah, yeah yeah amazing amazing so i you know i got into classes with them and i think it, uh, my classes at ucb and impro overlapped for a little bit and then i kind of um i started really focusing more on impro and doing the genre and mm-hmm. ensemble narrative mm-hmm. Improv, improv shows and classes. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of like dip my foot into both. I'm, right. I, I kind of like go and visit and see shows at UCB, do shows sometimes yeah. when my friends call me up. And I'm in shows at Impro continually. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, and the great thing about, you know, and because and, and my, my, my husband's an improviser too, and he's done long form, at like 45 minute shows as well based on on, on a topic. And um, whenever we be, bring, would bring friends to see Brian or when we bring friends to see an Impro theater show, there is... Always one person that says, so how long did you rehearse that? Or is it written? But but this is like yeah. 45 minutes of a completely... It's more like an hour, too, it, to it be really, honest. Yeah, about an hour. We do about an hour. improvised yeah. show. It's an, and it's from start to finish, it's a narrative show. So mm-hmm. it's one story. Um, we, yeah, so the Improvised Generation was created by four of us who are students who... You know, we have watched and studied under Impro Theater. Mm-hmm. We learned like Jane Austen, uh, Chekhov, mm-hmm. uh, Noir. Oh, what else did I do? Oh, uh, Tennessee Williams, Rom Com, Buddy mm-hmm. Cop. Like we've it, we've studied all of these like uh, more classic genres. Mm-hmm. And the the main company also does Twilight Zone. Uh, but we were like, what if we do? Star Trek. Like we yeah. love Star Trek and we love impro and their style of doing narrative genre improv and improvised theater, really. Yeah. It's yeah. more than not to say just improv. I don't mean it like that, but like it's improv, but it's also improvised theater, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people think it's scripted. Yeah. And the yeah. whole experience is improvised, which is nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. If you go see like one of the there's Shakespeare there's Shakespeare and scripted, which is like amazing, but one of the most amazing ones I saw there was the Sondheim. Oh my god! Because oh. 
Yes. You're improvising Sondheim, which yeah. is not very easy to do. Yes, you it's know, amazing. It that show was so... I saw yeah. that at... Um, uh, the theater in Burbank, the Falcon, which yes. is now the Gary Marshall yes. Theater yes. in yes. Burbank. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I saw that a, f- a couple years ago when they did it there. Amazing. Yeah. The set design, the costumes, the lighting, mm-hmm. the sound design. And then they had their their musical improviser on stage mm-hmm. with them. Um, they got the key from the, they were like, say a key, a musical note or a musical key. And someone would be like, A flat. And so the, Basically, they build the freaking the soundscape of like what oh, it's, ah, it's so amazing, oh, it's so crazy. So with with, with improvised generation, um, well, let's talk about oh yeah. Sure. So so it's four of you from from classes said let's mm-hmm. take this to the studio, yeah, and do do a Star Trek style. And yeah. Impro was like, okay, mm-hmm. um, do you guys is the setup like an episode of Next Gen? Yes, it is from start so, to finish. Yeah. And do you? How many seasons have you done? We've done three and a half seasons now. Do you, for each season, do you do at least the same characters for each show? Like mm-hmm. I know that you play the captain. Were you the captain yeah. all are you the captain all three seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We yeah, so early on we you know, we workshopped uh, or we we thought about how we wanted to do this. Did we want to have different cast members play mm-hmm. different characters each time? Is it the same ship each time? Like so we decided early on. We are our own ship, the USS mm-hmm. McGinley. We're not going to be playing characters from TNG. We're just another right. um, contemporary ship to them. Right. USS McGinley, named after our earlier director and teacher, nice. uh, Joe McGinley, who's a wonderful, amazing woman, and mm-hmm. I adore her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we named, you know, we have our ship, and then we decided to have to play the same characters over time because, first of all, <laughs> just technically. Um, having to improvise Star Trek is hard. There's a lot of words. Um, there's a lot of confidence you have to say, even if you don't know what you're talking, right. just making up techno babble here and there and mm-hmm. not getting bogged down by it. So we didn't want to make it harder on ourselves by saying, oh, I'm ops in this episode. And then the next episode, I'm command. Like That's, that's a good idea. Oof. Like if you're to go from engineering yeah. to command, that mm-hmm. would be... So, so you co-directed. So does that mean in when you guys were doing rehearsals, are you... Saying, okay, does everybody know what a dilithium crystal is? I mean, are you guys making sure that we all have this, you guys all had the same vocabulary? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we, everything? Yeah, we did several different layers of research. So it was like, um, so yeah, the command, like what do what is the what are the duties of the EXO? What mm-hmm. are the duties of the medical officer? Um, you know, we did that type of stuff, like literally when you step into this job, what are your job duties? What are the skills right. that you had leading up to it to prepare you for it? We also did research on yeah we do like warm ups that's just like spouting out the the Star Trek words that we know like right. dilithium crystal transporter <laughs> you know Jeffrey's a phaser Jeffrey's <laughs> yeah just like shouting them out transporter yeah. like holodeck uh-huh. and then when we run out of things we know we just start making them up. Do you guys have your own holodeck? <laughs> we do. Yeah, oh my god, right. we had an episode in season I want to say season two where um, I was the protagonist in that episode uh-huh. and. Uh, I was on a holodeck in my holodeck Jane Austen program. <laughs> my ca- Captain Thompson oh, I love it. apparently just. <laughs> she loves me, Jane Austen. She loves Jane Austen. She loves yeah. Emma. Yeah. And we, I think we did that. I did that because um, we currently were in our Jane Austen class at Impro. Oh. So I think it was just top of head. Right, right, right. I made, someone came on galloping on a horse, an improvised horse, and I just named it as this is my Jane Austen holodeck right, program. Right. So, yeah. But, but so yeah, fun. we also get to pull on our other yeah. genres sometimes when we're on the holiday. 
Well, here's a question. Um, so you're doing an improvised hour uh, mm-hmm. based on on Star Trek. You know, um, since the stereotypical when people think of improv, they think of laughing and comedy. So is that is there still a lot of humor in this hour? Yeah, yeah. there is. Um, there's there are some shows where people are laughing throughout. Mm-hmm. There are some shows where people are not laughing as much mm-hmm. and they're really invested. Right. And the impro theater, you know, their philosophy is that we don't go after the jokes. We don't go for the comedy. We're going after the, the storytelling, story, the narrative. Story, story, story. Yeah. Story, story, story. Relationship, character, mm-hmm. um, arcs, having arcs and journeys that people go on. So that's mm-hmm. what we're aiming for. The comedy comes from just the natural way, you know, how the characters go through their struggles right. and all that stuff. And also, honestly, the comedy sometimes just comes from it being improv and the the magic of when I say, when whatever you say becomes, well, that's what the quote unquote writer, the imaginary writer that doesn't exist right. of this improvised show, that's what the writer put in the script. So yeah. it's important. So now I can slip up and say the wrong word uh-huh. if I meant to say... We're going to visit the admiral, but I I say we're going to visit the admissible. Then the admissible <laughs> is the thing now. Yeah, and you, we, you can't you can't like, go back. Yeah, and it's like we we name oh the admissible is actually the Bajoran con, uh, congregation that we're going to this. Like it becomes it just changes in the moment in a right. moment's notice, and the magic of that can be very funny to watch. Right? Are you very proud of the reception that you guys have gotten? Yes, yeah, yeah. and and over the past two and a half years, we've been doing it. The Star Trek community has increasingly been following us and have seen us. We did a Comic-Con show this year uh, at Old Town Improv. Uh-huh. And we had some amazing, like, so, some Star Trek podcasters come uh-huh. who now come see our shows in L.A. Like, That's it's just wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So you're getting that built-in audience, yeah. which, is, yeah. which is amazing. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. That's so exciting. Now, um, there's a couple other shows that you're involved in, too, that I just – think is are really neat at improv studio ripley improv yes. and x files unclassified which you just did a show last night because last night was friday the 13th yes so i mean we can guess what x files unclassified is about yeah um <laughs> ripley improv why don't you tell us about that because that's all ladies yes it is ellen ripley i take it named after yes exactly okay. um yeah we named after ripley mm-hmm. um we are a group of seven women who are all actresses improvisers mm-hmm. and we do other things in life too mm-hmm. um uh, some of us have worked in the nonprofit world. Um, some of us uh, are like, you know, work in offices and, you know, one of, mm-hmm. one of our, our girls actually like is one of the administrators at Impro Theater and she's a main company member there. Uh-huh. So we, yeah, we're just these women who are funny and smart and yeah. kind of badass and always trying to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, good people and, and give back. Yeah. And so our Ripley Improv uh, you know, our mission is to uplift through our improv. Mm-hmm. And we focus on stories by women, about women, for women mm-hmm. of all ages. The first genre we decided to do, to do was young adult dystopia. So Hunger Games, Divergent, like The it. Giver. Um, we honed in on that. We did that for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We found some amazing things in that. Um, the tropes are really fun to play, but they also have some really crazy scary truth to them right um about like gender dynamics and you know that you found through studying yeah through studying and performing yeah. Yeah. in that genre um the most fun i would have was playing like the villain uh-huh because we we found did you see spider-man uh homecoming 
Yes, that's the most recent yeah. Spider-Man. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. I sure did. So the vulture in that mm-hmm. is like a, a lot of people were like, "Wow, it's such a, like relatable and grounded mm-hmm. villain." Uh-huh. And we we found that by doing Ripley and other and other stuff at Impro, but specifically like with Ripley, we found that our villains couldn't just be random baddies. Because that's kind of boring. Like, it's, yes. I don't know. It's yeah. just kind of like yeah. taking a big paintbrush and being like, evil. Like, it's not it's, for the, yeah. the type of storytelling and narrative, like um, acting improv we were doing, we needed something a little bit richer and deeper. So we found that we would have, we did an exercise in rehearsals. We would get us, someone would give us a suggestion. We would take turns being a villain and a henchman. And this would be, before the shit hits the fan, early in the show, we see the villain in their lair or in their lab right. or in their house, wherever it is, and they're just monologuing about why they can and will and are making the world a better place, how they're helping yeah. people. And it, I like that. And so it would be – I'm trying to remember some of the villains we had. There was one I played – I don't remember what their uh, – so, okay. So, for instance, there was one villain we had – who was chopping down the forest and was getting rid of trees. And it was something about, I forget what, sometimes the logic, you think about it later and you're like, that was weird. Because <laughs> it was improvised. Um, but this one was chopping down trees because there was like not enough air or oxygen or something in the world. And so they were tra- basically trying to manage the resources of the world. Mm-hmm. And they were justifying doing like basically mass deforestation, just mowing down forests that people were living in trees right. and just ki- basically killing these people, oh destroying their homes in this one fell swoop. But they had that villain played by Amanda Troop. Oh man, that villain was so dope because she, when she monologued about how she was helping people, uh-huh. she was like, it's about the air. Like, you know, it's precious. I need to make sure that my family is safe. And it was like, so like heartbreaking. Yeah. And she yeah. like, was so delicate and frail. It was like, oh, it's so cool. I love it. It was like what you said earlier with the improvised generation. It's about the story, story, mm-hmm. story. And yeah. if you just have a, a two-dimensional character up there, even as a villain, it's not going to really, fun. It's yeah. not gonna really hold up for an hour. Right. It's a plot know? point. We, we want more than just yeah. plot points. We want like the story and journey. Yeah. I love it. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, before we run out of time, I want to talk about one more thing that you're doing right now. That I think people should watch, and that's uh, Shield of Tomorrow on Beacon Sundry. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a, basically an RPG uh-huh. that you're playing on their Twitch channel. Yeah. And you guys basically have short campaigns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Did I explain it right? Yeah. And you are a Vulcan in yes. this. And is this, so it's specifically a, like a Star Trek bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah, similar, to, funny enough, like similar to the Improvised Generation, we are our own ship as well. Yeah. We're a little bit later. Is it called Shield of Tomorrow? Is that the name of the ship? No. no. The, yeah. The show is called Shield of Tomorrow, uh-huh. but our ship is the, wait, now I'm confusing my ships. <laughs> you have <laughs> so many different ships. So, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are the USS Sally Ride. I that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and so... Yeah, we like um, we have a set, like a beautiful set that they built for us that looks like we are on the ship itself at mm-hmm. our stations. Not, oh it's God, not you like guys a bridge. Got a set that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And we wear our costumes. Anovos oh. gave us costumes oh, for really the show. Neat. Like, oh man, yeah, like it's so so amazing. Um, but yeah, we yeah we have these characters that are the the bridge crew basically, the the senior officers, and yeah, we do. Now I'm I'm also a newbie to RPG. 
So that's another thing that I'm yeah. like leveling up on. Nice. Um, but is a campaign like the same characters go? What What is a campaign? I'm, a really? I'm, I'm not me. a big RPG okay. either. All right. Yeah. Because so. I'm not sure if a campaign, because I know with Critical Role, they're yeah. ending their campaign. For, right. But they haven't been on the same like mission for five years. They're just ending this campaign with these characters. So I'm not sure if... Someone, yeah, I'll I'll look it up. Yeah, but and someone will tell me. I can make up something, yeah. and then someone will immediately yeah. call me out. So. Right, right. Yes, exactly. It's the internet. But but so anyway, we we do have short story arcs. I should say. I'm okay. not sure if they're like campaign campaigns, but right, right, right. We have like maybe one show. We do three hour show Monday nights, seven p.m. Three hours. Uh huh. Wow. Three hours. Yeah, yeah. So we we sit down, we play the game. And that story arc can either be one show length. Is there like a leader to the game? We have a DM like or a GM, yeah, yeah, game master, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. he's yeah, he like plays all the NPCs. Is Hector the, the GM? Hector is the captain, okay. actually. I yeah, knew Hector was in it. Yeah, okay. Eric Campbell is the GM. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yeah. So, and is this um, a game that was made for the show, or is this a game that's actually had already existed? Yeah, it was. So the game uh, existed, but it hadn't been released yet. Right. So I think. Um, Geek and Sundry reached out to the game makers and just kind of like worked with them. They're like, hey, we want to do a Star Trek show. Can we use your game to do it? I'm not sure which came first, but I, th- I think it was very like mm-hmm. a nice, like organic right. melding of the two things. Modifius is the game maker and they were absolutely on board. They're like, yes, absolutely. So we, yeah, we started the game, we started playing. And within a, a month or two of us playing, they had released the game. So it's yeah. a fairly new game out right. there. Have your RPG skills gotten better? I, I mean, think so. Yeah. 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 Where I struggle is like the improv is fun. The yeah. character stuff, but like having dialogue with other characters uh-huh. is fun for me. It's so easy because it's, yeah. it's acting and improv. Yeah. Um, rules are tough. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better at them. I'm getting better at uh, knowing what I can do and I can't, like what my character skills mm-hmm. are. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's – I'm. I'm getting better. It's <laughs> uh-huh. such a great concept. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. And I, I love like there are other, there are a bunch of other people playing the game and mm-hmm. now live streaming their games too. Oh, that's Like their Star Trek uh, it adventures. It all started with you guys. Yeah. So that's, um, is that going to have seasons as well? How's that? Like for, for everyone, anyone who's listening that wants to see it. You said it mm-hmm. runs for th- what night? Monday nights, 7 p.m. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go to twitch.tv, you can watch it live streaming for free. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to like watch back episodes, like or af- you know any episode after it airs, they put it on on Twitch and on Alpha as well. Mm-hmm. Alpha, the digital the, channel. Yeah. Um, so you can subscribe to Alpha or to Twitch, and you can watch all of the episodes anytime. Fun. How many in are you right now? Ooh. Like 13, 12, 13. Wow. Which, yeah, we are technically in our second season. Mm-hmm. And I think we started July. Wow. So we had to do like two or three month seasons. That's great. That's great. And you are, you have half a season left for Improvised Generation. Is that correct? Oh, no. Well, actually, I thought you said three and a half. I seasons. did. Okay. It's a little tricky. We did a full like three month run in earlier in 2017. Uh huh. And then we did like a one month quick run this summer so that's already done and that was actually that was really fun because it was called the lost episodes we decided to just um focus on the you know those episodes where they start in a shuttle pod it's just two characters going on a journey together and it's just about their relationship and Uh their dynamic there's a great one with 
um, Picard and Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one. Or not, not that one. I was thinking of Worf. Uh, trying to think. Of, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. But but we we called it the Lost Episodes, and it's t- it starts off in a shuttlecraft. We get to hear about these characters, where they are, what what's on their minds, what are their yeah. wants, where are they going? Are they going home to go to their yeah. cousin's wedding? Are they going to a conference on on Raylor three? Yeah, where are they going to Riza? Yeah, and we did have a Riza episode. <laughs> of course you did. Of, of course, course you did. <laughs> um, so yeah, and that was a great way. We saw, we found that like that was a great way to just kind of like dig underneath the surface of these characters even more. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal right now with the improvised generation is. We've set up, we basically have a working, running show. It works. People are responding to it well. And now we're like, let's just keep going deeper with the characters. Like let's like break open yeah. the the, um, the format too. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Mountjoy Pepka led the charge this summer on our shuttle craft episodes. Yeah. And she did an amazing job. It was like, I think it was our best season yet. And it was oh, only fantastic. a month long season. Like, so, yeah. So we're really like, really getting deeper and deeper mm. into the show. I want to do it until I'm 70 years old. I love it. You should. <laughs> so right now you're running X-Files yep. at Impro. Do you have anything else coming up at Impro Studio? Yeah, we have Glam. So Ripley closed Dystopia mm-hmm. a month ago. Mm-hmm. Our next, uh, we're doing a small run, like a four or five show run of Glam. Which it's is about glow? Yeah, it I is. Love it. Yeah, that's such a great idea. <laughs> yeah, glor- gorgeous ladies of arm matches. So we're doing <laughs> arm wrestling because a few of us have back problems. Uh, we're ladies in our thirties. Uh, <laughs> we're not trying to get injured. Exactly. So we're doing arm wrestling. I love it. I love it. That worked out perfectly for Glam. So when's that open? That opens uh, in. Oh, November? November. November, yeah. So where can people check it out? Like, is there a website? Yeah. So we have a Ripley. Oh, ooh, I'm not going to get the website right for Ripley. Um, but can we have a Twitter and uh-huh. Facebook page and Instagram. And it's all at Ripley Improv. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to run Fridays at 1030 p.m. in mm-hmm. November. Cool. And Improvised Generation has their own Facebook page and Twitter as well. All, yeah, all the same things. Uh, improvised Gen, G-E-N on Twitter. And Instagram. And then on Facebook, we're the Improvised Generation. Nice. And uh, is there anywhere that people can find, um, stay tuned to to find out more about uh, the listener? Yes, we have all the same things. Um, we have at Listener Series on Twitter and Instagram. Uh-huh. It's not very active right now because right. we're kind of hibernating and working on our right, stuff. Right. What about Starshade? Uh, Starshade, same thing. We're yeah. kind of hibernating. You have a lot of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of social media to keep you can, up with. Yeah, people can follow all the yeah. things. Starshade Media has its Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. Um, and then list the listener also has a Facebook page. We're we're hibernating, but we're still here. We're yes. just working hard You're on just things. Working, work, and where can we find you on oh, all the good things? I'm at Eliza Pearl uh-huh. uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you too. have a Facebook page, Facebook too. page, yeah. Well, my gosh, you're so busy right now, Eliza. Yeah. I'm very excited for you. <laughs> Thank I'm you. Very very excited for you. I'm so glad I got uh, you had time to come over to my house today. To do an episode of Neil Before Odd. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for kneeling the whole time. That was My really My knees are... Is this normal? It, I make everybody do it. I forgot to tell you that there were there was a cushion over there, so I'm sorry oh. you had to do it on my hardwood are floor. Are the spiders crawling up my arm? Is that normal? They're my minions. That That is oh. normal. They were giving me a massage, so that's nice. They could be... They're nice minions. Really sweet. I'm they're usually really- scared of spiders, spiders, but these are really no, nice no, ones. I have nice spiders in my house. Well, thank you for the spider massage. You're welcome. You can take a few home with you. Thank you. All right. Take care, Lisa. <laughs> Bye. Supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful odd has chosen to spare you. 
Please exit the internet to your left. <laughs>